This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This is our Michigan Michigan State preview. We'll talk about some of the keys for the Wolverines, I guess, best secure a victory on Saturday. They're heavily favored, but there are certain things that will avoid this from being a closer than expected game or even a trap game for the Wolverines. So we'll talk about that. We'll do some of our over-under predictions. We'll also do our final score prediction for this game. But before we start the preview, obviously there was there was news this afternoon, Thursday afternoon, that the Michigan football team is being investigated again by the NCAA, this time for kind of vague. It's it's a little vague right now. I mean, we we would love to have more information than what is currently out there, but generally speaking, there is an allegation or claims that Michigan has been stealing signs so far this season. Sign stealing is not against NCAA rules. It's not illegal. It's there's really no rule directly prohibiting it. The the two rules that could be though are one, if Michigan is sending people to in-person scout future opponents. That was prohibited beginning in 1994, initially as a cost-saving measure. They just figured coaches and teams can send their tape or the tape is available. And then the other one is if they're intercepting signals during the game, like using technology on that front. So obviously there's still some details to figure out, but this will be kind of an interesting one. I'm sure Michigan fans are kind of like, hey, you just let Tennessee, who had 18 level one recruiting violations, off with pretty much no penalty. You just let Kansas off with pretty much no penalty after a six-year investigation that involved the FBI at one point. So why is Michigan, who just served a three-game suspension for an investigation that began with four level two recruiting violations, okay, now they're looking at sign stealing. So I'm sure there's that component of it. I think the bigger question for me is I'm just curious like what the what they're going to be able to prove Michigan did and and just what the punishment for that would look like because having an having an opposing team signs is not against the rules and if you ask coaches they would say seemingly every other game someone has their signs that another team knows their calls or knows whatever and that's why teams often change their calls, change their signals. So that's not anything like, it's not like the Houston Astros situation as of right now, where, you know, with the, with the trash cans and the little buzzers on the jerseys. I mean, so I'm really curious, like what the NCAA is going to be able to prove, because I, it sounds like the bulk of this is related to Michigan allegedly sending members of its network, be it employees and staffers or not to games to scout future opponents which knowing how competitive all these programs are would not be surprised if that's fairly common across the board. Obviously whatever Michigan did caught the attention of a couple programs to, to kind of spark this investigation. 
I know Greg Schiano had that uh, that halftime speech when when they were playing Michigan that, that was very weird at the time. Kind of makes you wonder if he was one of those coaches that that was suspicious of Michigan stealing signs. If you go back and kind of look at his quotes, look at things like that. So yeah, I, I guess my big question is not did Michigan do this. It's I, I don't know, but the NCAA is going to have to prove it. Hearsay can start an investigation if multiple programs or multiple coaches say hey we think michigan's doing this that can start the investigation but for there to be a like a punishment and there isn't actually any sort of listed punishment that that could come of this so we don't even know what it would look like but there were to be some sort of punishment it can't just be hearsay it can't just be well you know two head coaches and two defensive coordinators said this it would have to be some tangible proof so yeah it's going to be interesting i guess it might not be interesting but I, I am curious to to see or hear what the NCAA has because is it is Michigan sending people in Michigan shirts to like Ohio State versus Notre Dame with like a little video camera? Like I I, I can't imagine Michigan would be that reckless or or dumb, frankly. Like I it it's gotta be a little bit more more covert, but it also had to have caught the attention of multiple teams. So I, I don't know. It, it in the short term, I feel like it's just more motivation for Michigan. I feel like it's just more poking of the fire of fans who think the NCAA is out to get Michigan. Hard not to kind of agree. I mean, that literally these investigations are over, like, conducting Zoom workouts with a player during the pandemic, during a dead period, and maybe stealing signs. If there's more evidence, obviously, I'll adjust that opinion, but I, I do kind of get where Michigan fans are coming from because it just is not I mean these are like the smallest of small potatoes while the NCAA is letting so many other things kind of obviously run rampant but Steve your your initial reaction to this your thoughts on this investigation being opened up I mean you mentioned the the 18 level one violations at Tennessee many of which were linked to recruits that didn't even sign with the Vols I always thought that was kind of one of the funniest parts was like what does that mean that the schools it's like Darnell Washington was one of them who assigned, who signed with Georgia. Yeah. And then we're sitting here talking about this, this kind of crap. Uh, It's just kind of same old. I, like I said, I agree with the, uh, I agree with with like, yeah, we need to know, but maybe, maybe we need to know more, but it's just the burden of proof. Like where, where the burden of proof would lie in something like this. I just have no idea how this literally feels like, somebody or someone two a couple p- coaches or a couple people complaining about something and then the NCAA sort of maybe leaking it out to keep this like negative news against Michigan alive right i mean cuz cuz again there's just i just have no clue cuz like you said do you think there's a a guy with a video camera wearing a Michigan hoodie at in at the Rutgers Virginia Tech game you know, a month ago, like, give me a break. Like the other thing that's odd. Michigan would have to have been right. Right. Like levels of sloppy. Right. So how do you, so if you're, if you're, let's say, cause, cause like, yeah, let's just call it what it is. It's almost, there's almost no doubt that Greg Schiano Rutgers head coach and former Ohio state assistant was one of the coaches one, or if there's a couple was, but definitely one of the coaches or Rutgers is one of the programs that had to have been involved in reporting or, sending this to the NCAA or whatever. What are they seeing that, like, it's just, I, it's just, I don't know. I mean, 
it just seems like it would be so difficult to prove this. Yeah, to a level that Michigan would be punished for that it's 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 almost kind of comical in a way, you know. I mean, but you know, like I said, it, it's hard not to feel like there's at least a little bit of an axe to grind on the NCAA's end uh, with Michigan right now. It's just hard, again, not, hard not to imagine to some extent, right? I mean, you think about the statement they released after, what, like, to make a point that it isn't about hamburgers. I mean, it was such an out of yeah, that was very unusual from the NCAA. right. It's just like it felt like a very axe to grindy type message, you know, and uh, so hard not to kind of. And again, the other thing we got to remember, because there's technically an investigation going on, Michigan can't really comment any further. Uh, All they can do is release the generic type statement that they released about an hour or two ago. And that's kind of that. They really can't say much more than that right now. So one day I would love for one of these schools to release a statement that actually like says something. They're like, this is stupid. This is a terrible investigation. Like Like I get legally why they can't, but I love how like, you know, that's always, as reporters, that's kind of like our protocols. We write the initial story, and then as we get statements, we kind of add them in. And, like, they all say, like, we are in full, we are aware of the investigation. We are in full cooperation of the investigation. We have high standards here. Like, every school, every investigation ever, it's always, like, that statement. I'm like, I'm, one one of these days, I would love if one of them just went rogue and was like, this is stupid, or this is what happened, and this is why we think it's dumb. Like, it would just, it would make my life easier. But I also think it would, it would just be fun like i feel like these statements like are just i mean ai could probably write these statements at this point just another little thing like this is one i've always remembered but i mean you're talking about like this type of problem and you're looking at a school like in 2016 after kirby smart was hired the state of georgia literally rewrote their state law to create a 90-day response period from fo on foia requests from you know whoever and there are senators and lieutenant governor saying that they hope it would put georgia on par with alabama in recruiting and the state's lieutenant governor hoped hopes it will result in a national championship and here we are you know again like i don't know it's just it just goes back to the and i'm not necessarily just picking on georgia although we you know it's not hard to figure out that i'm sure there's been some rules broken there at some point but it is. It's just like it's it's uh, Michigan's seeming seeming to have to go through more and more hoops now in the last, especially the last eighteen months or so, than pretty much almost any other major program in the country. You know, and I don't I don't know if this goes back to like there's think about all the rules the NCA has changed regarding things or like ways that Harbaugh exploited. So like the satellite camps thing was such a great idea at the time. And the NCA decided to put the kibosh on it after what, like one year, two years, maybe they got two summers in there with that, you know, when it was totally within the rules at the time, but they actually rewrite the laws to eliminate the the satellite camps and everything. Just, just all that, you know, all these kind of things over, you just wonder, you know, so yeah, can't should, if, if this is impacting your view of how this team has performed or anything so far, I think you have some bigger problems. This will just be another one of those like blips on the radar that uh, rival fans, if Michigan defeats them, will just cry about and lean on uh, when that takes place, right? So let's say Saturday, Michigan comes out and wins easily. Uh, You know there will be some corner of social media that will try to claim 
you know, as if like, any, I, I don't know if anyone's actually trying to claim any of these seven wins have been the result of, you know, whatever, but uh, no, I mean, Greg Schiano wouldn't even say that. Yeah. Right. It was- so it's just, so yeah, it's, it's one of those things, I guess, last point, it just sounds worse than what it a sounds worse than what it probably really is. And B it's, there's almost no way that this could be proven at a level that would, that Michigan would face any punishment for. I would just, I would just, unless, yeah, unless it was so reckless that, and in, if that's the case, then and my view on it would probably be different because it should not be that difficult to possibly do something like this. Right. Yeah. Real, real quick on the, the NCAA witch hunt, my only response to it and i don't again i get where michigan fans are coming from i get you know where you can connect dots every single fan base thinks the ncaa is out to get them there is not one fan base especially among top 20 programs does not that does not think the ncaa is secretly out to get their team you know all these different investigations i mean it it sounds crazy to michigan fans but even georgia fans think that the media the ncaa are out to get the Bulldogs and and take away their dynasty. It's yeah, Michigan State feels that way. Ohio State fans feel that way. It's it's every program. So that's my only my only thought is Michigan is not the only fan base that that feels like it. And you know they all do their things where they connect the dots and they they check LinkedIn to see who worked where previously or who went to what school or things like that. So. We'll see. I mean, the timing is definitely the fact that the NCAA has kind of already broken protocol with a different investigation by commenting when they told Jim Harbaugh, when they told other members of Michigan athletics that they they, they were not allowed to comment. And then they did comment already feels like there's going to be this. This battle is not over and not. not, I don't say that ominously. I just think Michigan's going to push back too and kind of say, hey, you know, this is not that you're not following your precedent. You're not following your typical protocol for these investigations. Um, as far as this one, the only the one other thought I had is I wonder if maybe it going public is just the NCAA. Like they don't actually plan on finding something major with Michigan, but maybe they just like want to send a warning because they can't say like, Hey, we've heard this. Don't do it. But like they can quote, open up an investigation and then Michigan's like, all right, we got to clean this up, right? Because that's that's like the one thought I had is like, okay, if they let Michigan do all this and then they get away with it, well, then suddenly every school with money and and the resources and the network is probably going to try the same thing if they if they aren't already. So I did kind of wonder if there's a little bit of like like a pretty it was a pretty vague investigation story and the the statements that followed were pretty vague. You know, there's no citation of a level one, two or three violation or anything like that. I, I kind of wonder if it's like a subtle way of the NCAA being like, Hey, we've heard this clean it up and we're reporting it now. So teams, so the big teams on your schedule have a chance to, to change their signs so that those games aren't marred by controversy or whatever. So just, just a, just a thought. I mean, it's, it's something that there's just not nearly enough information to weigh in declaratively, but the fact is I've heard from so many coaches over the years, including people that worked at Michigan who were like, Oh, such and such had our sign stolen in, in that game or that. And, you know, you don't want it to get 
out of control, right? I do think the rules that are in place are probably pretty fair. But yeah, what do you do if, you know, with some of these like gray area situations? Because hypothetically, even if, if even if the NCAA were able to prove that Michigan had a former player at the, I don't know, Ohio State Notre Dame game, for example, and they had a video camera and they like recorded the signs and then the play that was called and the signs and the play that was called. It's kind of like if they weren't working for Michigan and they were just like friends with someone at Michigan, like is that none of that is actually against a rule. Best I understand it. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe someone can point out how that is defined as scouting, but like at every Michigan game, there's 110,000 people. They almost all have phones that can take video like it's there's no like requirement that they have to be a Michigan fan or that they can't share that video with a friend who's on a works for a team. I don't know. I just I am curious to see like what if the NCAA ha- one has anything and two what that might look like because yeah, I think the the amount that they have to prove for this to be at a violation level, it feels like that threshold's kind of high. Could be wrong. Yeah, to segue to Michigan's upcoming game we do have to have a laugh at this honestly I think Michigan State fans are kind of laughing at this that when the Big Ten notified apparently they called every school president about this investigation which sounds ridiculous like what a what a waste of time that like Illinois school president you know or Purdue or or whoever that they had to like field a phone call that was like Michigan is being investigated for this but anyway, when Michigan State was notified, apparently there was a brief moment where they were considering not playing the game out of fear of health and safety of their players. I don't know about you, Steve. That just it's it sounds it's not like something that could only happen in this rivalry. Like I just feel like the the perform like it almost felt like Michigan State was like trying to like say, We take this so seriously, we might not even play on Saturday. And then when they were actually asked if they were gonna play, like, well, of course we're gonna play. I don't know. It just felt like a little performative like the sign stealing is going to impact the health and safety of the players so i actually liked this because it now you know it's michigan michigan state week i guess because there's usually almost always there's almost always something it had been quiet outrageously absurd that <laughs> that comes that happens or it's written or read or said or whatever that's my response to that yeah there's almost i mean there's zero chance they were actually like would would follow through and not play a game. I, I also kind of chuckle at the uh, health and player safety as the reasons. I, I really don't even know what that means in the context of the Big Ten notifying schools what was going that there was an investigation. I mean, maybe because they would blitz better. Uh, I, I just Michigan would blitz better or something and hit a guy. I, it's like just kind of a. Absurd all the way around, which, like I said, is kind of what this rivalry is. So I, I, it almost kind of, in a way, brings a weird sense of normalcy to the week because, yeah, this has been probably the most boring lead up to a Michigan-Michigan State game uh, that I can remember for sure. Pretty yeah, actually, from a reporter perspective, it kind of has felt like another game. Like the, play, the players and coaches are like mentioning it as a rivalry, but there's, it's definitely a, a downplay. And and I gotta say. Hand up if I were 0 4 against Power Five teams, about to face the number two team in the country, and I had any out to not play that game, I would at least think about it. I don't think I would bail on it, 
just because I think that would look so much worse than even like a 49-7 loss. But it would cross my mind that if there was some way I could not play that game and it wouldn't count as a loss, I would, I would, it would, it would, I would think about it. I would give it a, a couple seconds thought. So, yeah, it's just, just weird. I mean, it's it one, it's reported. It's not that that isn't on the record. Uh, but Brendan Quinn of the Athletic, great writer who's covered both programs, that was his reporting. About yeah, if Brendan. The- if if Brendan reported it, then somebody said it was definitely said somewhere right i mean yeah yeah i think what would be missing is like did harlan barnett say it because that's a lot different than like i don't know a a director of operations saying it or like players and and the actual like on-field coaches i have a hard time believing they didn't want to play this game i i feel like my not so educated guess on this is that it was someone in the at the administrative level was like well i don't want to see this game and now we have an out maybe we don't play and then they were quickly told, no, we're going to play the game. <laughs> like, don't be ridiculous. That's, I mean, that's just stuff that, I mean, we'll probably never know the answer to it. But yeah, it's it's more funny than anything. Because I'm with you. I think Michigan got to think that they're going to be going out to play with something to prove on Saturday. I mean, I kind of joked about it on on Twitter. I said, you know, Michigan's toughest opponents this season have probably been complacency. And then these like very weird NCAA investigations. And it, it almost seems like it motivates or can motivate Michigan because now they have to prove that even when teams are aware of this investigation, they, they can win by even more points. And they, they can, pre, you know, they, Michigan, they, the players, I know it sounds silly because they were preseason number two. We always kind of laugh at those preseason top five teams pulling this nobody believes in us card. Michigan doesn't quite pull that one, but they love to say it's Michigan versus the world, Michigan against the world. So feel like this helps that narrative i gotta think you know the the players are going into today's practice it's raining it's chilly you know they've they've already done a lot of the preparation work but now there's like a little bit of that spark or or fire under you that's like ncaa is coming at us again gotta you know we gotta show you know i i, I could see there being a a motivational benefit but in terms of this game i i kind of joked about it on in our previous episode but the number one key to this game, I feel like, is Michigan just playing good. Like, if they don't turn the ball over a ton, don't make an uncharacteristic mistakes, they lead the nation in fewest penalties. If they commit 10 penalties or commit three turnovers or or just play uncharacteristically, I feel like this game can get close and competitive in a hurry. But if Michigan plays exactly the level of play that they played the past three games, they're going to win this game pretty handily. And I think they're, you know, play good could probably be a key for every single game. I do think that there is an element of bringing that against Michigan State. Because how many games in the past few years, I mean, usually the better team wins. But I think back to that 2017 game, how uncharacteristic was that? Five turnovers, including, what, four in the second half? And they lost by three points. 2015 game everyone remembers the punt but there are also like a lot of penalties I mean it it did feel like Michigan was not playing its best brand of football I think that you could also say that was true in 2020 I mean that team turned out to be pretty bad but but it did feel like week one against Minnesota to week two against Michigan State it was not the same team and then in 2021 Michigan's last loss against a Big Ten team you know I feel like they were playing pretty well early but then that second half it just like, you know, the way they handled the tempo, the way that 
you know, there were some turnovers, uh, including some pretty costly ones in Michigan State territory. Like, like it does feel like there's a little bit of sometimes this rivalry can be a mental challenge to to playing the way you typically play. And some years you need to be atypically good to beat your rivals. I think about 2021 Michigan, Ohio State, in some ways, they earned the win. I'm not discrediting it, just like they brought their best brand of football to that game. But then sometimes when you're the favorite, you almost have to like fend off the the rivalry voodoo, so to speak. You know, the, the just just the uncharacteristic stuff. Because if Michigan plays characteristically on Saturday, I think they win by 20 plus points. Steve, what's your biggest key in this matchup? Yeah, I think it's pretty much the same as you as far as like avoid the voodoo. I think on the road, it's always more important also to get off to a good start. Michigan has done that on the road so far this season. So, you know, I think that's another thing where, yeah, you just don't want to keep, you don't want to keep a, a team like that Michigan State hanging around in a situation like this, because as we said uh, last episode, this game is even more important for them, I feel like, than it normally is. It just in the idea that if they could put a major dent into and or ruin Michigan's this big season for Michigan, it would really ease a lot of the pain and, and stuff that the program has been through so far this season. So, you know, Michigan on paper, obviously uh, far more talented, probably one of the bigger talent gaps between the two programs in the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, so yeah, it, it does come down to like that other stuff for Michigan. Yeah. Just don't play uncharacteristically and they should, yeah. Win and win with relative ease. Like you said. So yeah, there's no X's and O like run the ball first, like type thing to me, it really comes down to a lot of that, those intangible type things, right. Avoid the, avoid the dumb penalties, avoid the turnovers, hang on to the football gap sound defensively. You know, just that type of stuff. Uh, we're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about, I know you said there's no major X's and O's keys, but we'll talk about a little bit more about the Spartans and, and how they match up against the Wolverines and make our predictions for Saturday's game. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. 
So, Steve, looking at Michigan's offense and what it can do well against this Michigan State defense, I actually do think that there's a chance that outside of Rutgers, this might be the best defense Michigan has faced this season. Uh, You know, I think the biggest key, though, there are going to be openings throughout the field. I mean, you know, I think Michigan State has really good cornerbacks, Angelo Gross and, and Dylan Tatum. You know, their stats are actually pretty solid, but the safeties and linebackers have not been as consistent. You know, they're allowing higher completion percentage, more yards per attempt. I think safeties and linebackers have allowed eight touchdowns so far this season with one interception, one or two interceptions. So I think, you know, this feels like a game where Colson Loveland, Donovan Edwards, you know, maybe a play, maybe like a Samaj Morgan, maybe a player that we haven't necessarily seen lead the team in receiving yet. It does feel like they're going to have an opportunity because I think Michigan state has pretty good, like boundary cornerbacks. But I, I think that there's, it feels like if they ever have four or five guys running around, someone's going to be open. And that's something JJ McCarthy has been really good at doing this season is creating a little bit of extra time in the pocket and finding that, that open man and Michigan Maybe not as much this year as in past years, but they're very comfortable having a bunch of different players lead the team in receiving, whether it's a running back, a tight end, a slot receiver, an outside receiver. You know, I think as long as Michigan doesn't try to force feed one or two players, I feel like it's going to be able to make plays in the passing game, and that will set up stuff in the run game. Michigan State's run defense actually uh, pretty solid this season, top 40 in yards per carry and yards per game allowed. If Michigan's able to, one, avoid the turnovers, but then two, kind of pick its spots in the pass game, work the middle of the field, you know, try to create mismatches with different formations or, or people in motion. Because I think about, like, like the perfect examples, like, you, know, you have Donovan Edwards in the backfield, and you have him go out into the slot. Well, who follows him? Is it a linebacker? Or does the nickel shift over? Because if it's a linebacker, feel like that's going to be an easy first down. But if it's like an Angelo Gross nickel-type player, then maybe you find where who he was previously covering and find the one-on-one matchup and, and throw it there. So I think the, the long story short is just work the middle of the field, work the matchups, find your open spots. Because I think if you're able to do that, I think that will set up the run game to be there. I think, I think Michigan State, I feel like they're going to be a lot like Indiana and all these other teams that Michigan's face where they're probably going to stack the box a little early, get the safeties and linebackers going downhill early, trying to stop the run. But if you can spread Michigan state's defense out, I don't think that they have like a true starting 11 that can hang with Michigan's offense. I think they've got a few guys who who are off to quality starts this year. I don't think they can cover everybody. Steve, any additional thoughts, whether it's about Michigan state or something you want to see from Michigan's offense in this matchup? I just can't get over. I think statistically you're correct about them maybe being the second best defense they've played, but I'm I'm just I can't get that Washington game. I, don't, I mean Washington had 713 total yards in that and game, and like 500 at halftime. Yes, yes, I was going to say because they only scored so they won 41 to seven. They only scored six points in the second half. It was 35 to nothing at halftime. It was 41 nothing after three quarters. But this is all while Washington was only three for 10 on first down, 
and they had 11 penalties for 110 yards and they still had 713 total yards in the game. So not a lot of like Washington, really the only, I would say, well, Maryland to an extent, but again, same thing though, where Maryland was up what 21 to three at halftime. And I believe accumulated the majority of their yards in the first half as well. Um, the two prolific passing offenses that Michigan state has faced have kind of really had their way with them. Uh, Tagovailoa had three touchdowns all in the first half. So um, yeah, I, I just think again, Michigan will have uh, this. Yeah, this could be another game. We did kind of talk about if, if Michigan can avoid the mistakes, et cetera, et cetera, you know, again, Michigan state not having a good year, but national rivalry game at night that maybe the opportunities there for JJ McCarthy to put up some numbers and truly establish himself, you know, as a guy in the race. You know, Michigan has not played anybody nearly good enough for him to, in my opinion, to be the favorite or to me still yet even like top three, just because they haven't really played anybody elite yet. But this it is this is a game where I think he can just firmly put himself to to eventually be in that conversation. So you got to think. I was Michigan watched the Washington game, right? <laughs> who who actually went and watched it? Yeah, did they have right? someone yeah, in yeah, attendance yeah, with know, the camera? Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, you know, Michigan was watching the Washington game, like I did tongue in cheek. Uh, but uh, they have to they have to see that both Maryland and Washington were able to throw the ball pretty well. I don't believe Michigan State's pass rush is anything elite uh, either. So, you know. Not so much what I'm looking for, but I, I just I do I kind of feel like Michigan should be able to move the football down the field. And yeah, I think seeing seeing them complete a pass to what eight or nine guys again last week is just uh like we said, the bowling group was it bowling green where they only completed to three different guys. Like we said, that'll be the yep. that'll be the uh, exception and not the rule. And that's that's played out since that game. So I think, you know, yeah, Michigan has a lot of ways to attack them uh through the air if they do decide to go you know, a stack the box type route, because I, I just still feel like teams think that that's going to be the best chance to stop them. Uh, it'll be fascinating to see if they come across a team that doesn't take that approach and see what happens. But it, it's really been lather, rinse, repeat every week for Michigan in that regard. It has. It has. Real quick, I, I wanted to provide some stats to my claim about the middle of the field. So if I look at the top three cornerbacks, the top three safeties, top three linebackers, on Michigan State's defense in terms of coverage snaps this season. At cornerback, they're allowing a 57% completion percentage, 6.3 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns with three interceptions. Safety and linebacker combined are allowing a 71% completion percentage, so 14 points higher, 8.6 yards per target, so 2.3 more than the cornerbacks are, and they've allowed eight touchdowns compared to three interceptions. So that's, you know, when I do these scouting previews, I kind of try to look for the statistical, like what jumps off the page as, as a weakness. I do think coverage at safety and linebacker, not a every snap weakness for Michigan State, but it, it is a big part of why Washington was successful, why Maryland was successful, is just creating those mismatches, whether it's motion pre-snap or doing different formations or just throwing to guys who are over the middle of the field, like a tight end or a running back. Typically, teams don't put their cornerbacks on a tight end or, or running back unless it's a unique situation. So, yeah, I think that's an opportunity for Michigan. 
to exploit Michigan State's defense. Weird stat, not even necessarily like a huge key, but I did want to share it. So far this season against four Power 5 teams, and, and for Michigan State, that's Washington, Maryland, Iowa, and Rutgers. T- those four teams are averaging 103.5 rushing yards per game and 6.2 yards per carry going to the left of their center. To the right, it's 33 yards per game and 3.1 yards per carry. I just thought that was like a very interesting and weird stat. I almost meant to ask some of our Michigan State writers about it. Like, is there, do they have like a guy who just always camps out on the, on the, to the right of the center who's just really stout against the run? Like, what is the common theme? But that is something to keep an eye on is that it does seem like Michigan State is able to stop some of the runs. But if you pass to set up the run and if you spread the if you spread the ball around, you know, there might be an opportunity to make some big plays in the run game. Michigan State doesn't give up a ton of big plays in the run game, but, you know, Michigan is not most rushing attacks either. All right, let's do some of these offensive over under predictions. These come from our good friend Neil, of course. So far this season, I am 19 and 10. Steve is 11 and 18. So take that for what you will. Number one, let's do Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards have 129.5 yards from scrimmage. They have not averaged this much, I don't think, this season. Or if they have, it's around this number. They haven't hit this number every week. I'm taking the over on this one. You know, when I think about Michigan wanting to send a statement, not just to Michigan State, but nationally as well, I I feel like it's going to come in the run game. I feel like it's going to be a bully ball you know we don't even have to throw plus I, th- I think there's another game where there's a chance of rain there's some wind didn't affect Michigan last week but I do kind of think I when I'm thinking about like Michigan suppose they're up by a couple touchdowns but they want to keep their foot on the gas I feel like that will show more in the run game than the pass game so I'm taking the over plus this game means a lot to Donovan Edwards in-state guy means a lot to Blake Corum just he said this week you know he came back not for the Heisman not for the for the stats but but for the team's team goals and beating Michigan State is one of their four team goals so yeah I'm taking the over 129.5 kind of crazy thinking back to before the season like if if Neil had set this over under in any game I feel like we would have smashed the over but because neither have been as statistically prolific this season I feel like that number has lowered, but I'm, I'm taking the over on this one. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, <laughs> I don't want to say I think this is the week that Edwards breaks out. Um, you might as well just say it every week. I might, yeah, right, right, and then just and then just <laughs> and tell then everybody. Right. Told, yeah, just take told, a total victory. Tell everyone laugh. I told you so. Yeah, but this is, this is a game that I think we could see more of him in the passing game still. So, yeah, they haven't hit the over on that because by and large, I mean Michigan has not had to lean super heavily on either guy, really. It really has almost felt like in in a lot of stretches, it's been just kind of give them the ball to keep them fresh. Right. I mean, it's just the way I kind of look at it, but, uh, but I'll take the over. All right. Next one, Michigan averages 4.3 points per drive on its first five drives. So that would be 21. Okay. So it's basically did, do they score three touchdowns more than three touchdowns worth of points? in those opening five drives. I feel like with five drives, you know, that, that does give an opportunity for a team to settle in. I kind of think I'm going to take the under. I do expect Michigan to win 
by a considerable margin. I just got to think Michigan State is going to be as energized and motivated as they've been all season. I, I feel like their defense isn't quite as – maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like it's quite as bad as last season. I know the Washington game, I'm with you. you that was quite a statement, but kind of kind of feel like they're going to be able to limit Michigan a couple times in those first five drives. So I'm going to take the under, but that is probably right around where I was thinking. How about you, Steve? First five drives. I'm, I'm going to take the over also. Just, yeah, I agree. I think Michigan State comes out intense, and that's, I mean, you're talking what? So, like, you're talking, like, 24 points in their first five drives, something along those lines, right? Let's just say they don't go for two on any on, on any touchdowns. That's just, that's a lot. So, I will take the under also. Could not be, that's, that's although, that might be one of those that ends up almost being a push, though, right? What do you average it out to? Like, is it 21 on the dot? It's 21 and a half points. Yeah. So, so I mean, I could, that really could easily score be four like times a, or not. Cause they're not going right. to go for two. I don't think. Right. In those no, points. exactly. So that, that'd be like a, I could see it like 17 or something maybe, but I'm not, I'm not going above 21 after five drives. All right. Last one. We were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. Jack Tuttle enters the game for the first time with 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. So under would be before then over would be after then. I think I'm going to take the after. I mean, I I guess mathematically it's McCarthy's only attempted four fourth quarter snap or passes all season. I don't know if they like really, I don't know. I don't know about the whole running up the score. I don't know all that. I just feel like they might keep him in longer. Got to think this game means a lot to him. Given the last time he was in East Lansing, there was the fumble. Obviously he cares a lot about beating rivals. And again, Michigan, maybe wants to prove a point this weekend. I Well, I guess I'll, I'll say this. Either they want to prove a point or Michigan State's going to keep this game closer than expected. Because I think step one is like pulling a comfortable margin away from Michigan State. So either that doesn't happen, and then obviously McCarthy would stay in longer than one minute into the fourth quarter. Or two, Michigan is presented with a situation where they have an opportunity to make a statement. I feel like this is a, one of those games where they take, especially like there's a bye week next week. They play Purdue the week after. I don't know. I feel like this is maybe a situation where they, they let the starters play a little bit longer or they have to let the starters play a little bit longer because it's a game situation. I'm going to take the over, which is later. I think JJ McCarthy plays a little bit more than one minute of the fourth quarter. How about you? Uh Same. For the exact same, again, uh, for the exact same reason, because I do, I think either Michigan, I mean, unless they really make a three-quarter statement, but I just, you know, I don't know. I can see them maybe trying to take it a little bit further, given what we talked about at the beginning of the episode. So I'll take the uh, the over. Okay. All right, switching over to defense. I feel like if, if Michigan State is to contend in this game, I don't feel like it's going to be from its high-scoring offense. I just, I'm not impressed by this offense. I actually think, you know, the pass protection's been fine. I feel like their receivers can make plays, but yeah, I feel like the biggest key for, for Michigan's defense is just like don't let Michigan State dink and dunk up and down the field. They're not a deep pass throwing team. You know, they'll, they'll try a couple because I know everyone remembers that last year, but that was a Keon Coleman thing. That was not a Michigan State. It's current personnel thing. 
I don't expect a ton of deep shots. They they aren't completing them at a high percentage. I feel like Hauser's sweet spot is kind of those accurate, like middle of the field, between the numbers, five or six yards downfield, those kind of plays. So I feel like that's like really their their bread and butter. I mean, their run game has not been good. They've not been good at run blocking. They've not been good at running. <laughs> so it's not blocked well, and they don't really do a lot with the with what they're blocked for either. So not impressed by the rushing attack. Not super impressed by the passing attack. I mean, you know, there's I guess Hauser can grow from his I expect him to start just for what it's worth. I expect him to grow from his first start, but not that much. Um so yeah, I think really the key for Michigan's defense is, you know, the the big the trick plays, I think is something to be on guard for. And that's that's really kind of it. I feel like otherwise just like play how you typically play. So let's jump right into these over-unders. And Steve, I want to get your thoughts on the, the keys in this matchup as well. But Michigan State's quarterbacks have 1.5 more turnovers than touchdown passes. So that's predicting three turnovers if there's one touchdown pass or two turnovers and zero touchdown passes. That's pretty steep, Neil. But I'm taking the over. I, I am. I think I, I don't think Michigan State's done a great job of hanging on to the football. I'll have a story in the next couple of days about Michigan feel like their ball disruption's gotten really good. They're forcing more turnovers. Plus, fumbles can count as turnovers, but rushing touchdowns don't count in this one. I'm taking the over. How about you? Yeah, I agree, but we've just because we've talked about that, Pat, Pat, Michigan seems to have developed a pattern of forcing the turnovers. So, and Hauser... One game in. Granted, played pretty solid. Three total turnover or three total touchdowns. Uh, yeah, Rutgers' comeback was not on him. I no, don't feel uh, like. Look, kind of begged the question: What took them so long to give him more of an opportunity? Not saying you yeah, because I, him before, I felt but... like insiders were saying he was the guy in the spring. Yeah, he was. He was a really one of the. I guess now that the Mel Tucker era, I guess, is over. Uh, he was one of their better recruiting wins, in my opinion. I thought he was a pretty good prospect coming out of high school. Uh, so then you saw, like, Kim just seemed very inconsistent. He'd make some nice throws, but then he'd make some real duds. So, you know, I was just surprising that this was the game, you know, what is this, the seventh game of the season, sixth game of the season, like that this is where you first see Hauser really get an extended look in, in in real time and he looked better than Kim did. So yeah, there's there's no way he's not that it won't be Hauser on Saturday. I'd be shocked. Still taking the over though. <laughs> All that being said, still taking the over. All right. Next one, Nathan Carter, they're starting running back a UConn transfer, rushes for 44.5 yards. That's pretty low. I think I might take the over on this one. Even though I don't I'm not impressed by Michigan State's rushing attack. And Jalen Berger actually quietly had eleven carries He's coming back from injury. He quietly, quietly had 11 carries against Rutgers, but I don't know. It just all it takes is like one random run and, you know, with the game potentially out of hand or whatever, catch Michigan's defense napping. I'm going to take the over on this one. I don't know what, I don't know if Michigan State's going to run for 100 yards as a team, plus sacks could count, you know, like, like all that. I just, I feel like Nathan Carter could rush for 45 yards. So I'm going to take the over on that one. How about you? Finally, I'll, I'll go the other direction. I think he hits the under. You mentioned Berger. Kind of fascinating to think. I mean, we know Michigan State's hit the portal 
really hard, but I mean, the three running backs they gave the ball to last week, none of them are guys that Michigan State originally transferred. I thought Harold Joyner was from like the 2015 recruiting class, but I guess he wasn't so interesting. But no, I'll take the under. Feel like, yeah, just th- we may see them split more, even more than they did last week. If Berger's getting back to health and uh, look more Berger effective. played at a level that made it seem like he probably could use more carries. Sure. Yeah. So another other player who was a pretty good prospect coming out of high school. I know Michigan kind of cooled there along with Penn State and some others, but that was a nice win for Wisconsin at the time and decent transfer pickup for Michigan State. Admittedly, I'm kind of I was kind of hoping that we would disagree for this one just so that we aren't agreeing on all of these. All right, last one. Michigan has 8.5 tackles for loss. I'm taking the under on that one. That's a that's a high number for Michigan, I feel like. And Michigan State, I think they've allowed, what, 37 tackles for loss in six games this year. So, I don't know, Neil. Don't know where you got that number from. But, uh, you know, obviously Michigan can really, really change this game or, I guess, end Michigan State's threat in a hurry if it can show – you know, a promising pass rush. That would actually be a very encouraging sign, I think, for Michigan's defense heading into the bye week is if if they can actually generate serious pressure, get a few sacks. I kind of expect them to get a few tackles for loss in the run game, but I feel like Michigan State actually plays a somewhat anti-negative plays offense. So I'm going to take the under on this number. Yeah, see, it's unfair that you go first because it feels like I'm, like, just copying you. But that one, yeah, I agree this, the whole way that that's way too high at least to predict on paper, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe we turn the game on on Saturday and maybe it turns into one of those games where Michigan can, where it feels like they could do something like that. But on paper, it'd be really hard for me to see them getting nine tackles for a loss, even against a, what we call Michigan state's offense slightly below mediocre. I don't really know what, what uh, it's, it's below average in the big 10. Okay. Which feels well, like this season is like yes, that's pretty yeah, that's not very below average. Yeah, that's not good. Okay, so yeah, I mean, again, just not one I would predict on paper. All right, since I did take all of those ones first, I'll try that next. I'll try next week. I'll, I'll let you do them all first and see if I copy you or not. But score prediction and any final thoughts you have on this matchup? Uh, I'm going to say Michigan 44 to 13. I think they come out angry. With this new stuff, I guess. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Really not prisoner of the moment because I know this news just came out a couple hours ago. But just, just you know, they've done a good job. Like, you know, you think of the free Harbaugh stuff early on. Like, the team really seems to feed off of, I guess, what I would call this this crap. Uh, so, I think Michigan comes out hair on fire. And then, not to get too deep into it, but, like, Michigan's players were the ones that were assaulted. <laughs> last year Michigan's players are the ones that it, it just I feel like if they're like it's it's just weird for me that that it's been used as a rallying point it did feel like sides. like Michigan State was like asked like how do you, you know are you trying to get revenge for what happened but, and, and like I just like, that and that didn't make any, it made no sense to me um but again it just speaks to the absurdity of this rivalry but I think there's got to be some secret motivation for Michigan in that regard so I think Michigan comes out they're the better team on paper which like we've said has almost always dictated the outcome in these games, right? So I think Michigan far better on paper this year. Michigan State's had a lot going. I mean, you Michigan's had stuff going on. Michigan State's had even more going on. They'll try to use this game as a rallying point, but I just 
I just don't think they're good enough on either side of the ball to uh, challenge Michigan over four quarters. I think Michigan runs away with it in the second half, 44 to 13. Okay, my score is similar. I'm saying Michigan 38, Michigan State 10. Even though I guess that is technically beating the spread, it's it's a little lower scoring than what I would have predicted just purely based on like the numbers and what I see on paper. I do the statistical preview every week. I do the scouting report preview every week. Feel like normally I would I would view this Michigan State team kind of like an in Indiana, where I feel like it's just a matter of how badly Michigan would like to win by in some ways. But I do feel like Michigan State will come out energized. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a slightly closer game in the in the first half or, or early on before Michigan kind of starts to pull away or put its foot on the gas, whatever whatever phrase you want to use. The only other thing I, the only other thought I have about this matchup, and I don't know, maybe it's a discussion for like the message board. I just have, if you're a fan, like just have fun with the rivalry. I, I don't get this whole like the fans need to talk less smack because there was an incident in the tunnel last season. Like this is all too toxic, and and certainly, I mean, you do want to make sure that incidents like that don't happen again. I don't know. I've just found it very funny this week. I feel like fans of both fan bases have been like, this is too toxic. You know, this year I'm not going to tolerate people talking smack or talk, saying obnoxious comments. And it's it's like, oh, oh, two weeks ago, you were the one saying obnoxious comments or you were the one like I, I don't get this whole like, you know, spend years saying mean things about your rival and then complaining that it gets too tight. Like you just you're just inventing like a a line in the sand and, and deciding that someone else has crossed that line that you haven't crossed that line. It's just I don't know. It's. The whole point of this rivalry is that it's supposed to be a lot of smack talk, a lot of people, a lot of fans that interact with each other, not just on social media, but in their lives. I think every person listening to this podcast probably has a Michigan State family member or friend or whatever. I mean, it's just have fun with it. I mean, obviously, like, you know, everyone's going to have different levels of seriousness or hate for their for their favorite team's rival or whatever. But yeah, this whole I don't know. It just seems like there's like this effort this year to like show how dignified you are. Like, well, I don't know we, if you're, if you're a fan, what's the point? Like just have right. fun. be a fan. Fans are fan is short for fanatic. Like you should be fanatical about your team and not liking the other team. The, I it, it didn't quite get this whole pearl clutching. Like, Oh, we really have to be better to each other. Like, I, I feel like everyone right. I know in this, that, that it cares about Michigan or cares about Michigan state. Like, they know it's just part of the rivalry fun. It's the petty. It might be the pettiest rivalry in sports, right? It could so, be. That's, that's so, a good word. I feel like it, it might be. Right. There's a, there, there are prop, there might be some more intense. I know one thing learn working for 24 seven, we get like the community threads and like you learn that there are some like rivalries that are like, like toxic as heck. Like one that, that they don't even play anymore, but Texas, Texas A&M is really bad. Another in-state type deal. Um, uh, the three Florida schools all just hate each other passionately, uh, you know, and it's, it, it gets pretty petty. So it might be an in-state type thing at the end of the day. But yeah, I mean, there's, like I said, you see this the report. I was like, it almost makes it feel normal that something outrageously absurd is coming out, you know, a couple of days ahead of the game like that. So uh, yeah, petty, I think to me, it's the, it's definitely the pettiest rivalry that I have ever had any association with or whatever. I mean, not even close. The Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is a lot different. 
than the Michigan Michigan State rivalry is in my opinion. Yeah, no, it doesn't it doesn't surprise yeah, it doesn't surprise me there's this there's always this constant moral jockeying along with the Like it's like a subtle form of smack talk like I'm going to like sit out from the yeah, smack no. talk this year because no. I'm mature unlike you degenerates. That's <laughs> that's why I said like Again, these are the only these these are the only the types of things you would see for Michigan, Michigan State, right? Uh, at least as far as I think any Michigan fan, especially, is concerned. There's no pro rivalry like that anymore. Most pro rivalries aren't even really in a lot of ways what they used to be. So yeah, no, it, it is. It's the it's the yeah the pettiest, just most immature rivalry in sports, in my opinion. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah, I, I you're that's right. a two sided coin. That's a two sided coin too. I don't want you know. That's not me, and that's the thing. Somebody would take what I just, yeah. Somebody yeah, would take what like... I just said and say that it was a that I was dogging on Michigan State. No, it's a two sided deal when it comes to these two schools. It always yeah. has been. So that's true. Actually, you're very right. I could totally envision people from fans of both teams being like, "Yeah, he totally went after our fans or whatever." I don't know. Just. Just something that I was thinking about this week because I kept seeing like all this like is the Michigan Michigan State rivalry too toxic? Is it has it gone too far? And it's like okay, I don't think the fans talking smack to each other caused the tunnel incident. I mean, there's certainly a lot of hate, and I think both you know I think Chris Partridge put it well this week. I asked him kind of about like how do you make sure the emotions don't become too much of a factor in this game, and he said just win between the whistles. That's that aside, like I just. I don't know if you're a fan of Michigan and you want to hate Michigan state, do it. If you're a fan of Michigan state and you want to hate Michigan, do it. Like it's part of what has made the rivalry so fun and so relevant. And I guess so valuable uh, to both, to both teams or both fan bases, I should say. So it's, it's cool. Have fun with it. You know, this too toxic moral jockeying, as you said, like just grow up. Grow up and be immature <laughs> and smack talk your rivals. I mean, you know, do do it exactly. Be the kind of fan you want to be. But yeah, this whole like, I just couldn't stop rolling my eyes when I was seeing this. Like, it's too toxic because, you know, this fan base just always takes it too far. And it's like literally fans of both teams are saying that. So clearly it's not that's not an accurate statement. And you're just trying to, like, come off as the morally superior one. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. Be sure to read all of our written preview content over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. We'll also, if there are updates on the sign stealing, we'll have some of those over on our site as well. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.